to the Iconic Podcast. This episode was recorded live at our 2021 symposium. Each year, Icon holds an academic symposium which allows third-year students an opportunity to deliver a public talk based on their own personal research projects. In December 2021, six students were selected nationally to present their research. Rebecca's talk is entitled, Therapeutic Holding Through the Music of the Voice, The Importance of Prosodic Attunement in Psychotherapy. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here. So as Dan said, my name is Rebecca Hurst, and I'm presenting to you today on the topic of vocal prosody in psychotherapy. I'd actually like to just take a small moment before I begin in uh, appreciation and gratitude to a few people. Um, Firstly, you, Dan, thank you for the inspiration. Uh, There's a lot that I could say, but I won't take up too much time. Um, but you've been a really key player in this um, uh, trajectory that I've taken. Um, other important supportive people have been David Champion, um, Sid Ruiz, and Isabel Ruiz, and of course, Trail Dowie for creating this amazing course. I'd also like to thank my mum. I believe she's here tonight. Um, thank you, mum. <laughs> So I'd like to begin with a quote by Indian Sufi master Hazrat Inayat Khan. The word in itself is frequently insufficient to express meaning clearly. The student of language by keen study can discover this. Even modern languages are but a simplification of music. No words of any language can be spoken in one and the same way without the distinction of tone, pitch, rhythm, accent, pause, and rest. A language, however simple, cannot exist without music in it. Music gives it a concrete expression. That quote is from the book The Mysticism of Sound, published in 1923, and it illustrates the vastness and complexity of the music of language, something that is often hidden in plain sight. My thesis contends that this vocal music plays a a role in psychotherapy more profound than many may think, that attunement to the music of voice not only presents us with an immeasurable amount of important information, but also presents an opportunity for holding and regulation key to the psychotherapeutic endeavour. Psychotherapy psychotherapy occurs at the relational interchange between two people. It is, at its best, an emergent process, one where relational attunement to implicit cues leads to feelings of safety, to the uncovering of meaning, and to various other relationally-based experiences that encourage healing and change. This is an interactive, intersubjective process summated by the dynamic communication of verbal, non-verbal, and paraverbal information between therapist and client. Now, most of us will be familiar with the terms verbal and non-verbal, but the concept of paraverbal communication may seem more cryptic. The paraverbal realm categorizes aspects of non-verbal communication relating to qualities of voice as distinct from the linguistic content of speech. 
These are qual- these qualities include intonation, rhythm, volume, speech rate, pauses, and voice quality, and are referred to as prosody. These are the musical elements of voice, that which can change an expression of self from a flowing cascade of emotional melancholy to a staccato, impersonal, defensive reflection, and to all manner of expressions in between. Prosody is a realm of communication that we commonly take for granted, but that is continuously conveyed unconsciously. The common phrase, it's not what she said, but how she said it, reflects the importance of prosody above and beyond the purely lexical components of speech. Think about the immediate emotional responses and assumptions that you might have already made about me, based on how my voice sounds. If I... If if I were instead t- uh, talking like this, what what would happen f- physi- physiologically in you as a response? What, what what might you deduce about my confidence or my my, my emotional state or perhaps my psych- psychological organization? If we were engaged in a conversation, how might you respond, consciously or unconsciously, with your own vocal music? How would the symphony of our voices be in harmony or disharmony? And how would that affect our relationship? Would my voice change you? Would yours change me? These are the types of questions I began to ask myself this year as I took on the topic of prosody for my research project. In particular, my inquiry centred around the enhanced attunement to prosody in psychotherapeutic practice, and the use of prosodic synchrony as a tool to enhance client regulation in moments of dysregulation in psychotherapy. Given its importance, it is surprising that prosody has been given relatively little attention in psychotherapeutic literature, particularly in relation to other nonverbal aspects of communication such as posture and facial expression. Prosody has even been described as the poor cousin of facial expression research. Nuance in vocal expression is considered by some as the most accurate representation of an individual's inner state, as it reflects physiological changes relating to emotion, and because it's the most difficult to control consciously. Prosody reflects both the inner landscape of an individual and the social and relational qualities of their experience. Scientific literature shows that prosodic features are strongly correlated with affective or emotional state, and psychopathologies and voice disorders are also considered strongly related to prosodic cues. Recent studies are exploring the presence of identifiable vocal markers of trauma and depressive symptoms in individuals. Relationally, prosodic attunement communicates empathy, has been a focus of research and treatment of autistic spectrum disorders, and is even a focus of recent AI research, which attempts to make artificial intelligence seem more human. Let's look at why prosody is so important developmentally. Given that humans survive through relationship, the developmental capacity to communicate non-verbally is formative and important for survival. The roots of prosodic communication begin before language development, even as early as the uterine environment, 
where studies have shown infant recognition of the particularities of the mother's prenatal vocalizations. In these studies, infants less than three days old were shown to prefer both the sound of their mother's voice over other women's, as well as a particular story by Dr. Zeus, which had been read to them in utero. The way particular rhythms, tones and timbres speak to and touch us is a very early acclamation. Before language develops, nuances in prosody such as rhythm and tone are one of the primary means by which communication occurs. Importantly, this communication translates into affective attunement and mutual regulation. The primacy of this process is reflected in neurobiologist Alan Shaw's work where he retitles attachment theory to regulation theory, highlighting the fundamental importance of regulative nonverbal interpersonal processes. By expressing vitality and emotion nonverbally, a caregiver communicates their presence, their connectedness, and through this, the infant's safety. The synchrony of expressions between caregiver and infant is the primary means of emotional and nervous system regulation in human infants, with known implications for the development of brain structures and organization of mind. In describing this process in early development, Beatrice Beeb and colleagues named the mother-infant dyad a system of shared organisational forms, such as shared rhythms or shared affective directions. Here's an example. A baby cries. It is experiencing something unpleasant. The caregiver acts through gesture, movement, touch and vocalisations to soothe the baby creating a sense that despite the discomfort, everything is okay. A baby expresses happiness, and the caregiver mirrors this happiness through the same pathways to legitimise the baby's experience. Yes, you're happy. These actions of expressive congruence contribute to growing important areas of the brain and creating positive relational expectancies, building life-affirming neural pathways a robust sense of self, and a healthy emerging mind. Depending on the degree of congruence, the infant develops automatic, embodied expectations of who they are, how safe they are, and how their relationships are likely to unfold. Increasingly, studies are showing that interpersonal coordination of affect through touch, orientation and attention, as well as turn-taking and vocal rhythms, is fundamental not only to the development of healthy attachment in infancy, but also to therapeutic efficacy. Alan Shaw measures parallels between these early attachment processes and emotional communications within the therapeutic alliance, in mutual therapeutic enactments, and in therapeutic change processes. In both contexts, nonverbal communication creates a rhythmic, mutually regulative, shared matrix of embodied emotional memory and autonomic body-to-body interaction. Earlier, I spoke of psychotherapy as occurring at the relational interchange between two people. This points to a key understanding in the role of prosthotic attunement. It's important that we conceptualise the therapeutic dyad as an interrelated emergent system The way you affects me affect me affects the way I affect you. 
In a sense, we create each other's experiences. Daniel Stern calls this the intersubjective matrix, where states of feeling and relational meaning are transferred between people dynamically and largely unconsciously. You could think of this process as something like a tennis match. Each communicative turn is preceded by a series of intuitive movements in order for the player to position themselves in an appropriate manner so as to communicate effectively. The game is not merely made up of singular, contained turns, but is a continuous process, one player's moves affecting the others in a co-creative, circular, looping fashion. The rhythms of feet moving, of arms swinging, of racket hitting, synchronise, keeping the players in reciprocity, and this is important to the flow of the game. Like the shared rhythms of the mother-infant dyad and the tennis game, so we share rhythms in psychotherapy. Postural shifts, expressive facial movements, and the dynamic fluctuations of vocal prosody create a multi-layered symphony. Psychoanalyst and jazz musician Stephen Nablock describes this united field of shared rhythm as the polyrhythmic weave, a musical take on Stern's intersubjective matrix. Here, rhythm is the fundamental mechanism of communication within and between bodies, and the music of voice is a primary illustration of the weaving rhythm of regulation and shared meaning in the therapeutic relationship. This is how we hold. While prosody is only one aspect of this regulative, non-verbal communication, its importance is is amplified in the therapeutic space due to the ethical implications of therapeutic touch. Winnicott spoke of the therapeutic space as a holding environment, but the holding he referred to was not a physical one. Without the capacity to physically hold our clients, as a mother would an infant, The voice is perhaps the best means through which we can hold them. How can we learn to follow and utilise the dynamic flow of reciprocal information experienced between us and our clients through the voice, attuning to its fluctuations, the way their voice changes us and ours them? How can we become a tuning fork, sensitive and responsive, attuning and shaping the dyadic system to soothe dysregulation, to create new possibilities, to apply dissonance to devitalizing patterns, to encourage healing. Can I tune in and respond, not just to the pain in your voice, but to the unspoken wish to be loved, the unformulated desire to be met with strong boundaries? the desperate plea for agency, the silent constriction of shame. Can this attunement help us begin together to acknowledge and articulate previously unavailable, dissociated experiences of self, freeing up space to extend the horizons of possibility? Perhaps I can use my voice in particular highly attuned ways to create a sense of holding, a holding that cultivates physiological changes in my client's body to bring them back to a state of regulation. 
considering the effects on brain growth and organisation of mind through this process in infancy, perhaps there are huge therapeutic and neurobiological implications of therapeutic regulation through prosodic synchrony for dysregulated and dissociated clients. This, I believe, is a rich area for further study and enhanced understanding, particularly in the current age where the increased use of telehealth presents further obstacles to the cultivation of a sense of holding in therapy. In closing, this has been an abbreviated introduction to a huge and multifaceted subject. My hope is that it encourages further thought about the importance of attunement to prosody in therapy, inspiring others to begin their own sensitizing of this innate faculty. If you found this interesting, I've written an extensive literature review on the topic, which I can make available, and there may be more literature to come. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to another iconic podcast. Stay tuned for more. It's always iconic. Iconic.